welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. Um, hey guys, good morning. I'm so glad to be with you guys. I'm normally hanging out in the gym, throwing dodgeballs at your teenagers. Um, so this is a different change of pace, but I'm really excited. Um, we're starting like a mini-series that's going to take us all the way through Advent. Um, I had full intentions of Googling how many days there were till Christmas, and I forgot. So if anyone wants to do that right now and shout it up, um, let us know. But um, yeah, we're going to start a series uh, on all the one another's that are found, um, whether through Jesus' teachings or through the authors of the New Testament. There are 59 um, kind of commands or instructions that paint such a beautiful picture for what our community, Garden Church, but also what the larger church um, is to look like and go after. And today, I'm super excited to kind of kick that off. Um, I was thinking a little bit about Pastor Bill, if you know his first button, first hole kind of thing. Um, Where we're going to start today is um, in love God and love one another, Um, because that is that that first button, first hole. I don't wear a lot of button shirts, um, but I have an eight-month-old at home, um, crazy, I know, um, <laughs> Carolyn, and she has the PJs that snap, and I know that if you don't get the first snap, <laughs> oh, there's little Carolyn, um, if you don't get that first snap, it's a hot mess, so I'm starting to understand a little more of the first button, first hole. Um, she was also really sick this week, and so I'm just praying, Holy Spirit, Use the prep I had and um, fill this space because there was some sleepless nights for sure. So all you parents out there, tell me you sleep one day. Tell me. You do? Okay. Okay. Cool. We're going to start in Mark uh, chapter 12. If you want to turn there, we're also going to have it on the screen. Um, But hey, I love when you bring your own Bibles and you can look it up. You know, I'm not making this stuff up. Um, Mark 12, we're going to start in verse 28. Um, And this is also found in Matthew. Um, So there's two accounts in the Gospels of this conversation that Jesus has um, with religious leaders. And I think there was other people around. Um, But here we go. Verse 28. One of the teachers of the law, so kind of a religious leader, came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Here's what Jesus says. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive and breathing and has the power to shape and move us towards you and towards transformation. So would you fill me with your spirit? Would you speak through me? Um, And would you help us to understand um, what Jesus put so simply, but yet feels so like not simple at times. Um, So we bless you. We love you. Um, Teach us today, God. Amen. So Jesus answered very few questions. Maybe you know this if you're new to church. Um, um, 
or not, <laughs> um, he was asked a lot of questions, but the actual amount of questions that he took the time to respond was very few. Um, here in Mark, and then like I said, again in Matthew, we're told that religious leaders ask Jesus the specific question, which is the greatest command? What's the most important one? And this is kind of significant because of the 183 questions that Jesus was asked, he answered three. And this is one of the three that he answered directly, where he said, um, love God and love one another. The thing is, is this question that these rabbis, these religious leaders were kind of talking about was a pretty common thing. It was very common for um, religious leaders, rabbis to gather together and they loved to debate. They love to talk about the law, the, what we have in the Old Testament, specifically the book of Leviticus that's filled with laws and commandments, and they would have endless debates on, like, what's the most important, what do we do, and how do we live this out? The Jewish people in Jesus' time loved doing this. And the Torah that we have in the Old Testament, right, was hard to keep. Quite honestly, it would even be hard to observe every commandment. And there were some, and like you can totally look a lot of these up, there were some that would even contradict one another where it would be difficult at times um, to live it all perfectly. And we see even um, in the life of Jesus, right? He was even called out like um, he was completely perfect. Um, don't want to be misunderstood there. But when he would heal on the Sabbath or when he would allow his disciples to um, eat, like pick food from the fields on the Sabbath, things like that. Um, some of them were very hard to keep. So it was an endless debate over which commandment holds the highest priority. And as rabbis, you would eventually come to develop a simple way of helping your disciples learn um, what's most important. And this was like your yoke, um, your teaching. And you would often come up with what you believed is the greatest commandment. All agreed that loving God was top. So no one really disputed that. Um, it's like, have one God, no other God before me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Everyone agreed that this, yep, that's good. But um, what followed were kind of two main opinions on what was second. The first one being, be holy as I am holy, was a pretty um, standard view, that that would be the second most important thing you could do um, as the people of God. But this led to the strict upholding of all the sacrifices and burnt offerings and keeping all the laws that you would read about in Leviticus. And the second view and opinion was to love your neighbor as yourself, another law we see in the book of Leviticus. So it makes sense that Jesus was asked this question, right? He's going around teaching. He's proclaiming to be the son of God. And people are wondering, okay, he must know then, right? Let's see what Jesus says is the greatest commandment. And Jesus goes straight to the heart. The greatest commandment, Jesus quotes from the Shema or from Deuteronomy 6. Um, it's right behind me. Um, let me see if I can turn there. In verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Just your ordinary everyday life, right? So he quotes from that, and this was a passage that um, any like, Jewish person would be so familiar with. So Jesus instantly quotes Deuteronomy 6. And I love that. What we read here in Deuteronomy 6 God wants complete love from us. 
with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And this love is appropriate because Jesus, God, completely loves us with all he has, with all he is. And what we can read in 1 John 4.19 is we love him because he first loved us. So this command to love God, being the first button, the first thing, the foundation, our purpose to love God, is completely in response to his love for us. And we have to start here. Before we move on to all the one another's and loving others, if we first don't, for ourselves, believe that we are completely loved by God, we're not going to get the other things right. And we love him in response to who he is. And then I love that what God wants most from us is our love. Back to, like, just he loves us and he wants us to love him. That's what he desires most. I often, I don't know about you, think that God wants other things. My time, my money, my effort, my submission, my obedience. And he does. He's in all of that. But what he wants first and foremost is our love, our devotion, our adoration. And when we really love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind, then everything else we can freely give to him. We, we give, right, an offering and um, our tithes and offerings out of response to who God is. Those things will come freely once we first and foremost give God our complete love. But then Jesus continues, and this is where we're going to kind of hang a little bit today, is Jesus goes right on and says, all right, you're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind. That's what he wants is your love. But then he goes right on to say that we, um, we must also love our neighbor. Jesus calls this the great commandment. And he said, the second commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, was like the first great commandment. And this is where I think they're so like crazy combined and connected more than we allow them to be. Because when we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, then we can love our neighbor as ourself. In Galatians 5, um, I think I have it. Yep, great. Um, in Galatians 5.14, Paul writes for like chapters before it, and you can turn there in your Bibles, and Paul's just going on about the law and life with God and, and all these things. But then in verse 14, he makes a bold statement. He says, the entire, not part of it, not some of it, not the side, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul reminds us of Jesus' proclamation that this is the great commandment. Love God and love one another. 1 John 4.20, we read that if someone claims to love God but hates a brother, he's a liar. That's so striking to me. And he goes on to say, for the one not loving his brother who he can see cannot love God whom he can't see. There's something so um, connected between our love for God and that love for God flowing out to the love for others. These two commandments are connected far more than we allow them to be. And as you love God, your heart for others grows. It just does. <laughs> you begin to have a deeper capacity to see people the way that God sees them. 
And equally, what I have found is I have come to truly love others. I, in turn, love God more, too. When we enter into biblical community, like Brian shared about a few weeks ago, um, we experience God's love and fall more in love with Jesus through the people around us. When we serve others, we fall more in love with God. Or not even in those great things, but when we walk through the difficult and painful process of reconciliation or forgiveness or conflict, and when it's done in a good, healthy way, the end result is not only that we're more in love, more connected to God's people, but we actually experience God's grace and forgiveness through others. I made a decision to follow Jesus when I was 15 as a sophomore in high school. And it was through a ministry maybe some of you are familiar with called Young Life. Um, And there was a 20-year-old something who was my soccer coach. And she just began to build a relationship with me. It was that simple. She was my soccer coach. Um, My parents weren't super involved, so we ended up living near each other. I don't know if this is still PC these days, but she would give me a ride home after practice. And um, sometimes we'd stop for um, like dinner or a snack or um, just talk and hang out. She began to build a relationship with me and share Jesus with me through her actions, through her love, not at first with any words or gospel proclamation. It wasn't any youth lesson or Bible study that drew me to her or drew me to um, the church, drew me to God. It was actually just being loved by her that kept me around. It was the way she loved me. It was the way that I observed her loving her family, the way she coached our team, and the way that she loved Jesus. All of that was so connected, and that's what had me sticking around. I have remained serving in Young Life since then, Um, mostly unpaid. I have worked on staff with Young Life. And so for the last 15 years, I do that. (laughs) That was modeled for me. I go and love on teens and build relationships with them with no agenda other than for them to feel loved, that they would experience God's love through me. The ministry of Young Life specifically has helped me fall more in love with Jesus and fall more in love with people, or I wouldn't do it. (laughs) It's tiring. (laughs) But (laughs) I love all your kids, don't worry. But I've had my moments. And what Jesus is teaching me through this like consistent showing up in the lives of others is to love without outcome or response. And I love that John and say families just paints that picture so beautifully that we're looking right for love, like to love others and not shaping behavior. It's the same, same idea here. I've walked with many teens who I've cried tears over because they've left the church or they've come to completely reject me or Jesus. But I've also seen lives changed, families restored, addictions broken, baptisms, teens become leaders, and I've built incredible friendships with people who I would have never come in contact with because of the decision to show up and love. We don't get to know what our decision to show up in love will produce. So we can't focus on the outcomes. When Jesus asks us to love one another, we just show up and love one another. But what I've experienced is as our heart grows um, for people, as our heart grows, God also, this was weird science, I think, um, grows our capacity to carry that grief, 
right? So that when um, we do experience disappointment or conflict, um, as our love for others grows, so does our capacity um, to carry others' burdens, to grieve. He increases our compassion and he sustains us. People know when you have an agenda <laughs> for them, um, when they know that you're, you're not genuinely looking at them as a child of God, but as a mission or as a project. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting, and teens can spot it pretty well, too. Um, so can my eight-month-old, because this week she was sick. And the running joke was, I couldn't get her to go to sleep by her knowing I was trying to get her to go to sleep. Right? It was like a lot of standing or moving or strollers. We even took a two-hour car drive. But she would pick up on the moment I would like sit down or begin to cradle her, whereas like typical like go-to-sleep moments, she would just completely reject it. And I just was like, oh my gosh, like that's totally it. Like all she wanted was just to be held and loved and comforted with no sleep agenda. Um, of mine. <laughs> so not only is this the greatest command, but this is insane to me. This command to love one another, specifically to love one another within the church, serves a beautiful purpose because it's actually God's plan A to redeem all things. From the beginning of creation, God was looking to partner with humankind to represent him on earth. Right? We were made in God's image. We are made in the likeness of God. We were made to represent him on earth and care for his creation. We see this in Genesis 1 when God makes us in his image and then commissions us to rule and subdue over his creation. But then later in the writings of the Old Testament in Exodus, we can read that God selects a nation, Israel, the people of God, and he like anoints them to represent him to the rest of of the world to the other nations. He sets them apart to represent them, represent him. And to his followers in John 13, Jesus says, the world will know we are his disciples by the way we love one another. There's something so miraculous and spiritual and profound that in the way that we love one another, that is how the world will come to know who God is. Which is wild. Like, why would he choose such imperfect people to represent him, right? I'm like, this is crazy. You would think, like, for us, even at the garden, like, well, what if we just want to be known for, like, having the coolest worship or the best Halloween bash or the greatest youth group, whatever it is. But no, it's like, no, what the world will see, what will be known is how you loved one another. How you love one another. It's a, it's a mystery to me that God chooses his people to represent him. The way people of God treat one another and those far from God will be the test by which the world knows God. And, and I experienced this firsthand. That is how I came to know God the Father, was through love. But we tend to overcomplicate it. Maybe we add to it. Like Jesus keeps it really simple. Love God, love one another. Um, but we kind of like to complicate things a little bit. Um, and while I am like humbled to share this message with you guys, so many of you who I've had the privilege to know and walk with, you guys love God and you love people so well. I have been loved by our community. Just this week, we had friends dropping off coffee and donuts and praying for us just because our like baby had a fever, you know, like it wasn't 
this, I mean, it was really scary for me. It was her first time being sick. But, like, it was insane to be loved and supported um, by this community. But I do think we have some work to do as a church on how the world sees us treat one another. Not just the way that we love others, yes, but in here, like, look around. The way that we host one another, the way we encourage one another, that us in this room and those maybe in your house church or your missional community or your remnant group or to your friends, whatever community you have chosen to really do life with and follow Jesus with, how you love each other and support one another can change people's lives and show others who God is. But these last few years, what I've seen is we become completely polarized we draw lines everywhere for who's worthy, who's unworthy in the church, not even outside the church. Like we're doing this to each other. I've seen relationships ruined. People leave community, judgment, criticism. People offend quickly. People be easily offended. People exclude. People mock people for their views. One of the hardest things I've seen on both ends of the political scale or however you want to, again, me polarizing things, I guess, um, has, has been even us using our love for God to justify our unlove for others. We might not publicly debate like the rabbis did, what is the second greatest commandment, be holy or love one another, but we do in our actions often make it a little fuzzy what, which we truly believe is the second greatest commandment. And what I mean by that is sometimes we can have the attitude of, I don't associate with these people. And that's pride. Like, we're family. There's space for you here, regardless of um, any label or anything that you would want to put on yourself or people have put on you. And it's so fascinating to me because one of the definitions for holy is to be set apart. So here we're trying to, like, live this great righteous life and make sure that nothing like taints that when really maybe the most set apart thing we could do as a church is just to love one another really well because we don't see that where else can a bunch of people from different ages ethnicities economic statuses beliefs like gather in one room and unify under the name of Jesus it's here we have to be all in on this. She got the cold from me, so if I'm sniffling a little bit, I'm good. We're good. I didn't have COVID, just a little cold. <laughs> so love one another. We're going to go through a really fun list, okay? So hang with me. Here's what Jesus and the authors of the New Testament invite the church into. Not to divide, judge, criticize, Say who's in, who's out. Oh, if you believe this one, you go start your own church. No, no. Here's what we have instructions for. The 59 commandments or commands or instructions for how we as the church are to treat one another. Okay, go with me. They're here. Highlight the ones that you're like, what? After um, I was laughing with Seth in the back, he's like, are you going to read all 59? And I was like, I think so. Because I was reading these yesterday and I started weeping of like, this is it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> be at peace 
with one another. And even as I'm reading these, look around, like put people's faces to this. This isn't like this far off thing. It's people you're sitting next to in your, like in this room, in your house church. Be at peace with each other. Wash one another's feet. Three through seven are love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. Here we are at eight. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. I was like, oh, okay. And 13, you guys, look at this. Accept one another, just as Christ accepted you. Instruct one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. When you come together to eat, wait for each other. Have equal concern for each other. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Greet one another with a holy kiss. We'll work that out in context, but um, yeah. Serve one another in love. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. 23, it was typo, sorry, um, for the format. 23, carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Do not lie to each other. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Make your love increase and overflow for each other. Love each other. Encourage each other. And then like one chapter later, again, encourage each other. Build each other up. Encourage one another daily. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Encourage one another. Do not slander one another. Don't grumble against each other. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Love one another deeply. Live in harmony with one another. Love each other deeply. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one of you, sh each one should use whatever gift he has given, he has received, excuse me, to serve others. Clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Love one another, 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 love one another. And lastly, love one another. I heard even in my notes, it says pause, invite Holy Spirit. God, would you shape our hearts to not just live this out, but to desire to live this out? God, there's no shame here, as even if things are bubbling up. Um, this is just a beautiful invitation to live life like Jesus. So we thank you for your word. We thank you that these one another's are here for us. God, would you help each of us to live these out?
Would your Holy Spirit, we can't do this without your Spirit, God. Would people look upon Garden Church? And would it like make them scratch their heads a little bit? Like, how do all those people love each other so well? They're all so different. We thank you, God. What I love about this list, but also um, Jesus' command to love one another, is that it's the most inclusive plan to, like, redeem all things. It's literally, like, I mean, it's a high bar. When you look at it, you're like, oh, my gosh. Um, but what I mean is everyone gets to participate. It's incredible. Like any other plan to save the world, you literally would need like a superhero cape. But Jesus is saying like, this is it. Love God, love others, and we're going to redeem the cosmos. Who's in, you know? It's the most all-inclusive, all-can-participate plan to redeem all things. And I love that this is the ask. Love God, love one another. Jesus makes the invitation not about following a bunch of rules or converting to a religion. It's far more simple and far more accessible. It doesn't matter your stage of life, your income level, what you do for a living. The command is the same. Love God, love others. And it fits into all of that. It's not a ministry you have to sign up for. There's no training or class. There's really only one book you need to read to get it right. Although the Emotionally Healthy series is really great. Plug for Michael. But it's so simple and so inclusive, which means you get to participate wherever you are. If you own your own business, if you're a pastor, if you're a teacher, if you're a barista, if you're a student, if you're a TikTok influencer, if you're a parent who works from home, out of the home, in the home, young, old, liberal, conservative, it doesn't matter your level of resources, education, or how long you've been following Jesus. The invitation is the same. Love God and love others. And none of this is possible without, without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. This isn't like a checklist or a thing that you just have to like get really good at or host really cool events um, to like be hospitable or to hang out with people. No. It literally, like, go back to that list. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no way we could never not pass judgment or not be, like, accept others. It's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. But this is the easy yoke of Jesus. Love one another and love God. So we're going to, I don't even, oh, timing's all right, I think. Maybe a little short. If I could be so bold <laughs> as we close today. Um, in summary, really, my prayer, like my thought in all of this is, if whatever it is in your life, like the priority, the goal, the thing, um, oh, <laughs> I made a meme because, you know, <laughs> relevant. If it's not leading you closer to God or more in love with our Savior and his creation, then what are we doing? Because this, this is the thing. Those are red flags. That's so like, red flag, red flag. Get out, get out. But it's so true. That relationship, 
That dream, that purchase, that new job, that thing that you're just like stressing over, deciding whether you should do or not, what school to attend, whatever it is. If it doesn't align with like growing you closer to loving God and loving others, then what are we doing? Fight for the things in your life that bring you more in love with God. Surround yourself. I was just at a Young Life weekend away and this guy was like 80 and he's like, loves Jesus. And he became a Christian when he was 15 through Young Life. And I'm like, you're 80 and you're still doing it. And I love it. And I said, what are the three things that have kept you loving God and loving others so well? He said, daily, daily admittance that I still need Jesus. My transformation didn't happen when I was 15. It's a daily transformation that the Holy Spirit is doing in me. Second, he said his wife, which made me cry. It's like, eh. it's like his relationship with his wife and the way that she brings such a different and unique perspective to who God is. And the third thing he said was surround yourself by people who are hungry for God's presence. And I'm like, yes, if that's not it. So gather the people, be with the people who help you love God more and help you love others more. In church, let's be quick, like super quick. Like I stepped into a spider web. I hate that. And it was like, you know, you're, you look so dramatic, uh, <laughs> truly. Um, but like be that quick to release and get rid of the things that <laughs> distract us um, from living this out. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.